0: Welcome to Below the Fold, the most honest and raw digital marketing podcast around. It's good to be back. Coming back with a
1: bang. I might be hiring someone to speak for me.
0: So you think you're an SEO ninja, eh?
1: That was just my little fantasy in the back of my head. Here's the tip. Oh, I know the tip. Are you the one who told me the tip? I need you to come up with fifty business ideas. I'll be back in two hours. I think I need
2: a new title.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Below the Fold. This show is for marketers, startups, and anyone else wanting to know the ins and outs, the ups and downs of digital marketing. My name is Jacob Perry, and I'm joined today by Derek Turley and Brandon Hassler. Our guest in the hot seat today is Brad Herbert. Thank you for coming on the show, Brad. Great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. You bet. Mm -hmm. So as always, we're going to start with some current events. I'm going to pass it over to Brandon. He'll start us off and then we'll see how uh, relevant his news is.
1: Yeah, so uh, last week during the current events I mentioned I had a article or some interesting facts that I was planning on bringing up during uh, our chat with Derek but it never came it, it never, never came, came to be. Uh, and uh, it looks like a listener pointed out that I never got to that story. So, um and it's perfect timing because it actually works better for this week just because that's what my current event is. So before I get into the current event, what I wanted to mention last week was that there was this article that was published on Adweek um, on April 11th. And I thought it was a really good read. Basically, um, it's this, um, I forget what her position is. She's like one of the heads at a uh, ad agency saying how that uh, influencer marketer needs to be less transactional. And in this article, she actually mentioned some interesting stats, I thought. So there's the obvious study shows 92% of people trust recommendations from other people over brands. But the more interesting ones were teens have a seven times higher emotional attachment to YouTube stars than traditional celebrities. 49% of people rely on influencer recommendations when they are making a purchase. I thought that was... Pretty high, 49% oh, yeah. of people rely on influencer <laughs> recommendations. So with that said, and, and the whole point of the article, and maybe the conversation will go this way um, on this, uh, later this episode. 49%? 49% according wow. to this study, but basically saying that uh, your, it needs to become less transactional where it's, hey, would you guys uh, mention us as a sponsor or uh, could we do something to where we're in your podcast or sorry, not podcast, your your YouTube channel or your Instagram post somehow. It's kind of like a one-off type thing. Uh, But the the brands that are doing well have really integrated their company into that person uh, to where people just trust that company because the person that they follow um, is always interacting with that brand or mentioning or wearing whatever it is. Can
0: can you tell me what what that study is called? Did you mention that?
1: Um, The study is... Or the article. Like, where are you finding this? Uh, Adweek. ad week okay so but they link off to so brandon as,
0: as an influencer do you find that that's true
1: <laughs> i would not call myself an influencer <laughs> but at, for people i follow yeah um i think of uh, casey neistat is obviously one of those i guess you could say outlier um people on youtube to where I, two brands that come to mind boosted board and samsung
0: so boosted board used casey neistat as an influencer
1: Yeah, I don't think they're paying. I know he's uh, an ambassador or something like that. I'm sure he gets free boards and stuff like that. But it's like integrated into his lifestyle. And the same goes with Samsung. Samsung, as far as I'm concerned, has never done like a sponsored video where he's doing something specifically with uh, Samsung and, and they're paying him to do that video. But he's going to Samsung's offices and collaborating with them. He's always mentioning his Samsung phone. And it's just because they've done a really good job at working with him and making him um, just embedded into their product so people trust those brands yeah. a little bit more. Yeah.
0: So we we should have we should have more influencers on, Derek. Yeah, we will. You think we can get some YouTube influencers? Like Brad is an influencer. Yeah,
3: that's nice of you to say, Derek. I Thank appreciate you. that. So, <laughs> Brad, I was in,
2: hoping you'd say that.
0: In you your did. in your experience in marketing, have you ever done? Influencer marketing? Like, have you worked with influencers to boost your brands or the brands that you work with?
3: You know, it's interesting. So I I worked at Zions Bank for nine and a half years and then uh, then left to take a different position with a different company. And uh, then recently just returned, uh, in fact, just about a week or so ago. And what's interesting is to see the evolution of where Zions Bank was even just 18 months ago to where they are now. It was kind of like stepping into a time machine a little bit to come back and to see the evolution. And and a piece that they've added to their marketing strategy really is uh, reaching out to those influencers. I noticed as we were going through kind of a status meeting the other day that uh, mommy bloggers, there's a whole network of mommy bloggers that um, we are tapping into now. And I made the comment in our meeting that Wow, it's, it's interesting that this is now a marketing channel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not we're not talking about things just in terms of TV, radio, even digital, um, public relations. Now we're talking about influencers and how to um, tap into that market. You've got these bloggers who have developed a, a large following, and to a certain extent, that following looks to them as a trustworthy source. They try things out, they test them out, even in the banking space. You know, even if it's, I got my refinance loan through X bank, um, and you guys ought to as well, uh, it has proven that, uh, that is having a huge effect on those people. And so we're tapping into that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: 49% of those people. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Yeah.
0: So that's interesting. So is that the play then you go to, by the way, they hate being called mommy bloggers.
3: No, I understand that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the listeners you, understand yeah, that. Yeah, right? you're right. You're right. Yeah.
0: Everyone categorizes them. as that, that, um, so so is that is that the play with Zion's Bank as you work with with mommy bloggers and you basically have them mention Zion's Bank in in that format?
3: That's a play you know it's it's part of an overall marketing mix right and and so that's just one um area that we're tapping into, but absolutely um I think it as part of the network uh, we put it out there for you know um this group of individuals hey, have you ever done this? Have you ever opened a checking account with Zion's Bank? Have you ever uh, gotten a loan through Zion's Bank? And if you have, they have the opportunity to sort of sign up for that article or whatever it is and post about it and talk about it to their followers and are uh, compensated as a result. So um, that's something that uh, we're just kind of getting started with. And I think we're seeing a lot of
2: success with as well. That's awesome. I actually want to take a step back real quick, get a little informal because we jumped right in, guys. <laughs> we jumped right in. <laughs> And we have Brad freaking Herbert, so I'd like uh, Brad, if he could, to just give us an elevator pitch on who he is, and then I have five questions, and then we can jump in.
3: Wow, now I've ne- <laughs> I wasn't feeling like I was on the hot seat before, but now I am. Now that just yeah, happened. the whole
0: reason of current events is to kind of. Allow them to kind of slowly make <laughs> oh, their way man, into the Oh, man, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I'll that's Let's still fine. do it. So you, you said that, I mean, this is basically jumping out before we jump back in. Yeah. That's what you're requesting. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you know.
3: I'll, I'll jump the around. the man, so. Well, listen, I uh, I was the seventh grade ping pong champion at Lakers Junior High School. i um, proud of that. Uh, it's a legacy that uh, will never die um, I'm kind of a celebrity walking those halls so that's where my that's where it golf got started for me hmm. um, yeah Mountain View High School graduate uh, went to Brigham Young University advertising communications major uh, started at Zion's Bank as an intern uh, doing kind of Spanish marketing for for Zion's Bank because I, I served an LDS mission in Puerto Rico and uh, they gave me the experience to continue speaking my language and uh, doing some advertising to a very targeted group of of individuals here in Utah. Hmm. I worked there for about nine and a half years. I had several different roles there, Um, became a vice president of marketing there before I left uh, briefly uh, just about 18 months ago. I took another position at Castle and Cook Mortgage as their director of marketing, had a great experience there. It's a great company uh, growing very, very fast. And uh, it was a good opportunity for me to kind of see how they're doing things and to see, um, you know, their processes, uh, their their flow of how, how they receive and and uh, deliver on marketing requests, and uh, had a very great experience there. And then had the opportunity to return back to Zions Bank just uh, recently as uh, the Senior Vice President of Marketing there. Uh, I get to report to Rob Brough, and many people in the marketing world know Rob. Uh, he's kind of the He's kind of the godfather. He's, he's incredible. He's amazing. He's an amazing leader. He's an in, uh, incredible marketer and very, very well connected in the community, just a trusted voice in the community. So the opportunity to, to work with him again, I, I just couldn't pass up, and I'm excited about that.
0: So Brad, as you kind of take these roles or as your experiences kind of guided you through these roles, what, is, what, what would you say is your specialty? Like when people come to you and say, what value do you bring? What one thing within the marketing sphere do you kind of cling to and say, this is is what I excel at and this is what I can bring um, to your company?
3: Well, um, one of my roles at Zions Bank was, uh, they called it the emerging market manager. And that was really their way of saying millennial marketing. Uh, There was not really a, a millennial marketing strategy and so I was uh, given the assignment to, to develop one and to really focus on those individuals year round. And um, throughout that process, uh, I feel like um, I was able to identify uh, some opportunities to really target a specific segment. You know, um, you know we talk about targeted marketing today and, and in the digital marketing space. Um, you know, that there are some very unique ways to reach a specific group of people. And so I, I, was, uh, um, I felt like I was able to sort of carry that experience over to some other opportunities, um, especially as I went to the mortgage industry. Uh, we had a, a very specific target market there, and it was not direct to consumer. It was more referral-based, um, you know, targeted marketing. And so to answer your question, I'd say just identifying a, a target market And uh, developing a marketing strategy to reach those individuals in the most effective way possible. Uh, There's no one-size-fits-all approach. Um, You can't just do a mass marketing strategy and hope that that's going to work. And now with the evolution of digital marketing, you can get um, hyper-targeted to even a a single individual. And uh, that's been very exciting to see the evolution of that.
0: That's awesome. Awesome. Derek said he had five questions, but before you get into that, Derek, yeah. you mentioned Castle and Cook, and the only reason I know this is because I went through Castle and Cook for a mortgage oh, at yeah. one point. Uh, there was, they had a huge lawsuit, like a class action lawsuit. I know because I'm still getting checks in the mail. Hashtag yeah. blessed. Do you, I, I, don't, I don't even know the details behind that. What, what was the law? Lo- I mean, this had to have been, uh, this was when I bought, I purchased my home in 2011, mm-hmm. so there was like this period of time, it was only like a six or eight month period that if you... If you had a mortgage through Castle & Cook, you were part of this lawsuit. Well, were you, uh, I guess you weren't there at that time. No. Uh, but do you know anything about it?
3: A-, a little bit. I do know a little bit about that. It was in about 2013, um, and I won't pretend to know all the details, certainly. But uh, uh, essentially, you know, the mortgage industry and banking in, in, as a whole is a highly regulated industry and um, it's evolved over time, particularly as the Great Recession happened. Um, you might call it an overcorrection in the marketplace with uh, rules and regulations that were put in place. And so I would imagine that there were some new rules and new regulations that were put in place that um, that uh, used to be best practices and common practice in the mortgage industry that all of a sudden, with the flip of a switch, we're not. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think uh, at least that there were, there were some individuals that got caught in some old practices. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Castle & Cook was made uh, kind of an example of. But I will say this, um, with, with some turnover and some leadership and some changes to policy and so on, uh, they're, they've come out of it as stronger than ever and uh have made some adjustments, and uh it's a tough business. it's a tough space to work in because of the the regulations that you have to that you have to consider and plus so, plus
0: the fluctuation in the market i imagine
3: all of that all of that um yeah, is is certainly uh you know a factor, but it's something that will play out over the years. I know there was a settlement, and that those are the checks that you're referencing and yeah. uh and that you were apparently part of the class uh-huh. and so um, Castle and Cook is excited to to move on from that. and again, I think that they're better than ever uh, and have come out strong and I, I I give a credit to the the leadership that was put in place to kind of clean that up. Uh, but that's a great lesson in in not just marketing but public relations, right and mm-hmm. and uh, how to address those issues. And I think they did a really good job at doing that.
0: yeah, I think I think actually a lot of people can relate to the fact that you may be doing best practices now and then something switches. As you were as you were saying that, I I almost imagined, and and you could almost say the exact same words uh, for search engine optimization, right? You could be doing best best practices, and I'm using air quotes there, best practices, and then Google kind of flips a switch and and the Penguin update happens, and you get you get uh, de indexed from their their uh, their search engine. So yeah, totally relatable. Okay, Derek, <laughs> I'm I'm passing it over
2: to you. You've got five questions, me.
0: and I'm I'm keeping track. I am.
2: You guys, I you even saw the devilishly handsome good man that Brad, go to his LinkedIn, by the way, (laughs) and and see if he'll connect with you. I need to quickly update my LinkedIn. (laughs) Uh, Just for the listeners to get to know you uh, on a fun scale, but then also into your your profession. um, One, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt, Brad?
3: That's a dang good question there, Derek Turley. I know, I know. Um Thought about that one long and hard. Here's a here's a funny fact about me. I used to work in uh construction. Um and uh I I I shouldn't say used to work in construction as if I have like years of experience. I had a a, a former bishop of mine who was a general contractor.
2: You cleaned up the scrap wood.
3: You no, know, I mean I did a little bit more than that. <laughs> um my best friend's dad was also general contractor and I got pulled on a lot of jobs mm-hmm. and really really enjoyed it actually. Um Love working with my hands, love building things. I love to step back at the end of the day and see what, what I've accomplished. I'm a visual person, and so nothing more visual than at the end of the day on a construction site seeing what you've built. And I actually uh, was tempted at one one point in time in my life to uh, become a general contractor uh, just because I like that. Um, people wouldn't probably think that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not exactly like a, no, I would have know, guessed like dentist a big, rough-and-tough guy. No. Dentist?
0: Yeah, he kind of looks like a dentist.
3: <laughs> I appreciate that. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> like, I could
0: see him wearing, like, the, the, or a doctor. I, I just see, like, the white, uh, sounds coat, good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it's I, it's just uh, DDS sounds, sounds like, uh, yeah, it seems yeah. like it would, it would fit I see with that.
3: I, I like doctor for sure. Let's, yeah. let's go with that. Doctor, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Herbert has a ring to it, I think. But, um, no, I, I wasn't nearly smart enough to do that. Uh, but, De- I, I actually contractor. considered going into becoming a general contractor and building homes or something. I okay. I uh my dad my my dad was in real estate for a long, long time. My grandpa owned his own construction company and that's probably so it's in, your in blood. my blood a little bit. Yeah.
0: What so so you mentioned your dad. What about politics? So I I guess if if if, if people listening don't know. Governor Gary Herbert is your dad. Yes, you mentioned your dad owning or going into real estate. Now he's kind of the not cov, kind of he is the governor of Utah. <laughs> would, would politics ever be something that you'd be interested in getting into?
3: You know, it depends on the day you ask me. I guess <laughs> if it's in the middle of one of my dad's election, I say heck no, <laughs> um, because it's a dirty, uh, as my dad calls it, it's a contact sport. Sometimes it's it's a you have to have very very thick skin and um, you've got to be able to. Um, withstand, I don't know, uh, sometimes some, some negative feedback that comes to you and you some of it's skin. true and some of it's not, not, and, but, uh, I, I, I will say this, um, I'm, I think it's incredibly important to be involved in any mm-hmm. way that you can. And then for some people it's to run for office and to hold that position, for others, it's to attend their, um, you know, their 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 city town hall meetings. For others, it's to become a state delegate and to go to your neighborhood caucus meeting. For others, it's just to simply show up and vote. And so, um, I think it's important to be involved in some capacity because that affects all of us. I mean, it, from from the city level all the way up to the national level, that that what the decisions that those individuals are making affect all of us. So. I guess I could see myself getting involved in some way, Um, but, uh, boy, it it wouldn't be for a long time. Hmm. It's a tough gig, and it's a thankless job, and heaven knows there's not much job security either. Uh, I'm I'm really excited for this new position that I have today. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) So, How's that for a politician's answer? I I love that. (laughs) Before I
0: pass it back to Derek there, uh, we just had— uh, the mayor of Provo on the show a few weeks ago. Oh, hey. And there was a prediction made. Yeah, Mayor Curtis. There was a prediction made that in 2020 he was going to run for lieutenant governor. I'm wondering uh, what kind of inside scoop can you give us there?
2: Come on, Brad. <laughs> well,
3: um, I can't speak on behalf of anybody but myself, so I'll give you that disclaimer. But okay. just just yesterday we had Congressman Chaffetz announce that yeah, he was that. Uh, not going to run in 2018. Which eliminates some speculation. Number one, that he'll stay in his current seat. Number two, that he'll run for Senate against Senator Hatch. But it also fuels some speculation that he's thinking about uh, 2020 for the governor's seat. And so um, we'll see. I guess um, what what uh, I think he's done a, a good job. I think he's a good public servant. And so I, I would imagine he's not done completely serving in, in public in the public sector.
0: You're talking about Chaffetz, yep. Congressman Chaffetz. Oh yeah, I bet. So,
3: so with that being said, um, you know, Mayor Mayor Curtis, I know his name's been tossed around for, uh, for that position, but also as a replacement for Congressman Chaffetz's current position as Ooh. as a congressman in
0: 2018, which I guess would line up pretty good. Well, and, <laughs> oh, and, Mayor and Curtis, it, again, as <laughs> a, as I'm
3: on my way down to this recording, I'm listening to the radio, and uh, what I'm hearing is that Congressman Chaffetz may not even finish his current term. Again, this is all speculation yeah. out there that people well, are talking about. Well, he has a lot of about. negative
0: press on him right now, or at least the last few weeks.
3: Congressman Chavez. Yeah. Well, he had a rough town hall meeting. I know that. Yeah. There, there's some, uh, um, you know, people are people are hot right now with the, some of the hot button issues. People are 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 uh, talking about the President Trump and the decisions he's made, and and so on and so forth, and so. You know, that was a vocal, what I think is probably a vocal minority that showed up to the town hall meeting and, and gave him some feedback. But again, hmm. that's politics, right? That's true. And it's also the beauty of politics. It's it's the chance to get and, and sit down and talk with people face to face sometimes and say, I don't agree with what you're doing or what you've done or what you haven't done. And so I don't know if that influenced his decision or not. I, I, I don't think that it did, actually. But, um, you know, he uh, he's definitely leaving his options open for yeah. something in the future so you i know, think we'll with,
0: see. yeah i think with how well versed we are in politics we could easily spin this show into a, a political podcast
2: yeah so i will we'll just uh divert next question <laughs> all right back back to <laughs> yeah. you Derek. let's go you guys so are gonna get you me in trouble heck um and you said also said earlier that you had a uh, general contractor potential ambitions um i'm not and, and brad is one of the most respectable Great men, one of the greatest men that I know. He's good, he is a good friend and, and, and a good guy. I told so What is your favorite I... curse word, Brad? <laughs> I mean, that comes with being a general contractor, <laughs> and uh, you don't curse, you don't swear. But if you did, what would it be?
3: Um, well, I guess. Uh... Damn it, Brad. Tell us. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a favorite swear word. At you know, I, my 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 dad likes to say "fiddle fart." You know, quit quit, <laughs> okay, fiddle, take quit fiddle farting around. And so uh, every now and again, I'll a little tell
0: insight my, into the governor. Tell my kid,
3: you know, he he got caught saying that on live television one time. It's one of our favorite <laughs> stories to, to tell. And uh, my dad was born and raised in American Fork. Well, born in American Fork, raised in Orem. And uh, every now and again, some of that small small town Utah comes out in his speak, and so I, I guess I've inherited a little bit of that uh, yeah. as well. But I, you're not gonna probably catch me cursing like a sailor no. anytime soon. That's good. That's because not
0: Brad Herbert. We we try really hard <clears throat> not man. to. Uh... Well, to prevent having to mark our episodes as explicit,
2: so yeah, <laughs> is that one word that I just said? No, 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 no I don't, I think, so. I don't think so. Where's the dump
3: button for Derek? So <laughs> yeah. we can we can beep him out. We've
2: gotten pretty close a few times. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, uh, I've got two more, well three, but two that are important. Okay, go. Still, again, to get to know Brad, room, desk, or car? Which do you clean first?
3: Room, desk, or car? Car. I, I I spend a lot of time in my car, and I have a truck, actually. It's a Chevy Silverado that I got about a year ago, and I love it. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing my best to take good care of it. So, Carmen, my wife, would tell
2: you that uh, I, I take care of my car first. Yeah. You can tell a lot about a person by that question, truly. Okay. Well, next th- question. What's your order?
0: Hang <laughs> on, oh, hang on, hang on. Because uh, he just brought something. He says you can tell a lot about a person by their answer there without explaining... Like, I need an Google interpretation. It. Yeah, what is that? Just what Google did it. I just, really you just Google? Really, just Google it? You? Yeah, Google it and we'll talk about so it. So, the people that. who are listening to the show while driving in their car, how are they supposed to figure it out? Ask Google. Come on, Derek, give us give us. A I will degree.
2: in just one minute. Uh, it'll tie into what we're doing here. Actually, it really it, will. It's
0: okay if you say, I don't know. No, I
2: do know. <laughs> Golf, ping pong, or karaoke? Well, ping pong. He was the world champ in I don't seventh think grade. Will, I think we'll be surprised <laughs> here. Ping
3: pong was really a translation from tennis. I, I played competitive tennis growing up, and everybody knows that uh, any good tennis player is also a good ping pong player. And, and also so,
2: a great karaoke singer.
3: Um, I do. I I do have some go-to songs on karaoke. Um,
2: Any Michael Jackson or are I are love you strictly Michael Jackson. Katy Perry?
3: I've I've never pulled out the Katy Perry. She's a little out of my register. Um, mm-hmm. Michael Jackson can be too at times, but uh, I've I've sung a Michael Jackson song or two. Uh, usually, it's um, "Boom Shake the Room" by Will Smith. Um, I've I've gone there.
0: Derek likes that,
2: but but that wasn't your question. Is the
3: is the is the question? Do I prefer? Which are you most
2: talented at?
3: Golf, karaoke, or ping Ping pong? pong.
2: Which are you most talented
3: at? I'd say, I I don't know. I'd say I want to be the most talented at golf. (laughs) Yeah, we all do. Does that qualify? I don't know. I think golf.
2: Oh, I would disagree. I know we've golfed together. That's rude. No, you're better than me. I know, but you're a great karaoke singer. Thank you. He really is. And then uh, are you more proud of your BYU alum status or U of U?
3: That's a, that's a fair question. Um, this is I'm, a big question. I'm, that's a fair question because I grew up a BYU fan uh, through and through. Season ticket holders is family. Uh, man, I've been to a lot of football games, a lot of basketball games. I played for BYU on the tennis team. And so I am an unabashed BYU fan. Uh, when I had the opportunity to go to grad school and get my MBA, I was accepted to both BYU and the University of Utah, David Eccles School of Business up there. And I chose the U over my alma mater.
2: I didn't know that. And like, well, I didn't know you were accepted to both. Yeah. Huh. And why uh, wouldn't he be, Derek? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But why did you choose the U?
3: You know, I think there was a lot of reasons for that. I wanted uh, to diversify myself a little bit, get a different experience. I think it. I think it actually helps to have a diploma from a few different universities, um, just in terms of making yourself marketable.
0: Plus, the U is the bomb.
3: The I, <laughs> I, I will say this: I'm, I am a BYU fan, diehard, still to this day. But I do not regret for a second uh, attending the University of Utah for my MBA. I had a fantastic experience up there. Really, really awesome, uh, world-class professors. Um, I feel like, I mean, I have friends that went to Harvard. I have friends that went to um, Stanford. I have friends that went to Wharton. And I I do not feel like I got any less of an experience or education at the University of Utah than any of those places.
2: Awesome.
0: Um. Derek, you went to Uni- U- Utah Valley University.
2: Um, it's uh, called UVU. <laughs> uh, please get it straight. I also went to UVU. <laughs> I was
0: just going to say, Brad didn't mention that he had a friend that went to UVU. <laughs> oh, I think it's
2: implied. <laughs>
3: yeah. I also attended UVU. Got my associates there. You know, yeah. if you go to my office right now, my wife gave me as a present. Uh, she framed my 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 diplomas, including my associate's degree from UVU. So I've got. A diploma from UVU from BYU and the University of Utah all in the same frame. Nice. And I'm very S- proud of it. Saving
0: the best for last. So in the in the holy war, you root for blue. BYU, absolutely, no question about it. Yeah.
1: Well. Smart
0: man. Yeah, except <laughs> it's <laughs> hasn't been going. You just have to prepare yourself for disappointment every
3: year. <laughs> yeah, recently that's that's a fair comment, but uh we've got Kalani Sataki on our side now and uh Winning days are ahead. Yep.
0: Yeah. So Hall, he just didn't do it for you. No.
3: You know he has. Everybody has their strengths. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good answer. <laughs> and, 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 and football is not Broncos. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Derek, before we move on, we need to go back to the interpretation of ping pong, whatever those things. Oh,
2: uh, the the. Oh, not that one. What's clean uh, yeah, yeah. What's car. clean? So well, he chose
0: he chose car, He as a truck.
2: He's got a Chevy Silverado. What 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 does that tell you about Brad? That he chose car. um I have a a mentor if you will uh, that early on right after I I was uh married I mean you can mention me by name <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Perry hmm. just My kidding mentor. who's your mentor his name's Daryl Magleby he's, okay uh, Daryl yeah Daryl he's great he just uh he's got some great insights and I remember that he uh I took him I, I went out to lunch with him and uh, he I picked him up um, and Daryl had mentioned that you that can tell great. a lot about a person about. Yeah, I did. He's a, he, he's in my parents uh, uh, neighborhood, you know, and, and we're just close, uh, close families. He's a great guy. Um, but he he mentioned that you can tell a lot about a person by how clean their car is and the attention to detail. And I at the time, it didn't mean a whole lot to me. But I've always loved to keep a clean car, um, and it's re- been reflective in kind of my OCD tendencies of making sure my right reports with work or how I structure certain things with my life and my professional life, my personal life. Um, he just said he he had he'd gone into that's why it's a bigger answer than just saying well here, here it is because I want to so, give you like a yeah, whole story so, but we only have
0: I mean he said car time. what were the other two options
2: your Office. Your desk. And, or yeah.
3: A desk or office. That's not the same thing. Or room. You said oh, yeah, room, room, desk, so, or
0: car.
1: Yeah. So so I, it, I, th- I did Google it, and he, there is an article that comes up that explains the creative parallels to- Better give the listeners a reference. This one was on uh, Elite Daily. What I searched, I typed in, tell about a person, clean room, <laughs> car, or desk, <laughs> and uh, an article, the psychology <laughs> behind messy Man, rooms. I know my stuff. But, so am I? Are my priorities straight? That's all
3: I want to know. Do I need to not care so much about the cleanliness of my truck?
2: No, you should. So
0: you mentioned the car, but if he had said desk or room, that doesn't like matter. That, you oh. don't have a
2: clean car. Get your act together. Uh, so Derek,
0: you don't have any like car seats in your car. No. So do your are your kids old enough to not be in car
2: seats, or do they just not go in your car? I'm pretty meticulous about my car. Um, What's well, and- a Lamborghini, right? Not I like your car. car seat back Yeah, there. And, and and we have a we have our Honda Odyssey van also that is so like kids, a, an your kids don't bomb ride in your car. Yeah. If they do, I actually put towels on the seats. I am that guy. <laughs> and you might not even have known that there was that guy, but I am that guy.
0: No, that's good to know.
2: I wish yeah. I had known that is when there, we were going through your because, personality last week. It's only because they they I I've had an accident and I just wanna avoid that accident again. <laughs> from happening again that's another thing about derek he he always talks in generalities and vaguely and <laughs> like, yeah like an accident what, what what happened when your kids oh poop gosh. in your car or what let's talk to brad this is limited time here you're I, on the hot like...
3: seat now buddy <laughs>
2: yes. no we were coming back from a daddy daughter date, and there was a, a full uh-oh drink that was spilled oh. in the back oh, okay that's not yeah, that bad
3: in the car you're in right now yeah Oh, you ever take out a car seat that's been buckled in there for like six, six years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't even <laughs> want to see what's behind there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, true. I can't even believe. Yeah. Anyway, this is fresh on my mind because I cleaned our van, our van yeah. just a couple of weeks ago and it was a probably a six hour ordeal. And <sighs> it was, I mean, I saw every fruit snack. And
2: then two weeks later.
3: Yeah, no, and it was a total waste bam. of time. Listen, I, it's not my wife's fault, it's my kids' fault. No, mom. no, it's mm-hmm, just mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Just, they're just at that age. Four, four no, young get it. boys.
0: I, I get that you're obligated to say that. I, totally <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. I love you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to marketing, um, you are currently working at Zions Bank. What, uh, what's your main role there? Like you're a, you're a senior VP of marketing. Is that right? That's, that's right. Accurate? Yeah. What is your role? And how many, are there multiple VPs of marketing there? Are you just one of a few or are you like a one-of-a-kind kind of guy?
3: So I mentioned Rob Brough. He's he's essentially our CMO. Uh, His title is Executive Vice President of Marketing and Communications. He heads up the whole department. Um, I report to him directly and oversee our marketing group. I I am the marketing group manager. And so um, there are six or so other managers that report to me, and they have teams of their own. So that is the marketing side of the department, and I manage that group on the other side of the department is our communications side and that's uh, headed up by Heidi Prokop who she's my uh counterpart she's mm-hmm. the other senior vice president in the group she oversees all the PR and communications and so we're the only uh two you know uh, senior vice presidents in that group that oversee the the marketing communications part there are there are others that report into rob but uh, of of in the marketing communications group it's us two and then there are other VPs that report into us
0: so where uh, where does like the digital marketing side fall or like SEO and conversion rate optimization yeah. and PPC? Where, where do those fall? Are those under you or they go under Rob directly or under state? Was it Stacy? I can't
3: remember. Uh, Heidi. Heidi. Heidi, sorry. So that, that individual reports to me um, and we have a, well, we have a whole um, in-house development team, uh, dev team that's doing our, our website maintenance and rebuilding our website. Uh, now we're, we're, we're getting ready to launch a new site. But all of the digital marketing that we do, uh, SEO and SEM and retargeting and targeting and all of that stuff, email campaigns, uh, we have that in-house and that person reports to me as well. I will say that we have a, an ad agency that I think is uh, second to none, uh, Thomas Arts out of Farmington. Yeah, I know Thomas Arts. Yeah, and they do an incredible job. They've been our agency of record for a long time now. And we rely on them very heavily, especially in this space, in the digital space. Uh, they do a lot of work for us there. So we have kind of an in-house team that uh, serves as a liaison between us and them for, for that function. And, uh, but Thomas Arts does a very, very good job at helping us with our digital marketing strategy.
0: Okay. Um, I, have, I have another question that um, as I think about younger marketers who are kind of getting into the field, they have a lot of choices to make. They need to make the choice of whether to go uh, the agency route, uh, like if they want to go work for Thomas Arts, uh, and then, or if they want to go in-house, they want to do freelance. Um, there are some people who have their eyes set on upper management, right? Where they kind of have to... Uh, what's it called when you uh, pay your dues? <laughs> yeah. You got you, you to pay your dues, right? So, That's so right. a lot of these understand they got to pay your dues my question and what I'm getting to is what would you tell a younger marketer who wants to eventually become a senior VP of marketing? And, and before you answer let me say that, um, being the son of a governor is not a good, uh, is not a good, uh, not a good answer. Are you trying to Get, say that
3: had something to do with my, no, uh, <laughs> no, 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 I, no it's mostly, it's, it's mostly a joke.
0: I don't think that at all. No,
3: I'm just playing. Um, it's a, it's a very, very good question. Uh, first of all, um, decide what your strengths are. I mean, when I was at BYU, or I guess determine what your strengths are. When when I was at BYU uh, going through the advertising communications program, you could pick a track, and it was the creative track or the management track. Huh. And so that was really where it started for me. I, I mean, if you pick the creative track, I think that puts you... Um, on the track to become to to do more of the kind of the agency side of things, more of kind of a tactician. Yeah, yeah, doing more graphic design and things like that, and that is a skill set that I did not have. I mean, it's it it is a true skill set. It takes someone that is absolutely creative and artistic and uses that side of their brain. I felt like that my strengths were more along this along the lines of of management and um and and working with people and and I really enjoy being on that. Uh, on the uh, on the client side of, of the relationship agency as you guys probably understand agency life is challenging it's difficult because you know it's not a it's not an eight to five job like we have at the bank um, at the bank we it's not only eight to five but there's no nights no weekends no holidays mm-hmm. so that that is uh, that has uh, a perks certainly Um working for an agency is, is long hours and you get the job done no matter what. And if the client says, Hey, I need this. The answer is absolutely. We'll get it done for you. When do you need it tomorrow? Okay. Sounds good. Hmm. And, and so agency life can be challenging from what I understand. The, the, the plus side of it though, as I've observed our agency, they have a very, very fun, creative, relaxed atmosphere. They, they're always up there doing fun stuff and it's, you know, at the bank we tend to be a little bit more buttoned down, and we're shooting tie to work every day. Um, you know, and, and at times uh, they're throwing balls around the office and having a good time, and so they know how to work hard and play hard. Um, but for me, the the client side was was definitely fit my strengths the best. Here's here's what I'd also say, um, and I hope that answers your question. Mm-hmm. I I've learned as a non-numbers guy because I I don't feel like I've ever been keen to like numbers. I've learned to become a numbers guy throughout this marketing process. It's, um, you know, if, if, you can, if you can learn to appreciate market research and the data that comes from doing good, you know, research and becoming a numbers guy, your marketing becomes that much more effective. And um, you, you can, you know, you, you, you kind of have a hunch as a marketer, but you can confirm that hunch by backing up with good data. And that's something that I've learned along the way that I think has helped me get to to where I am now to to not just sort of you know uh, put your finger to the wind a little bit and, and, and see which way the wind's blowing, but actually kind of do some research to back up what it is that you're hoping to accomplish.
2: That's a perfect idea. There's a lot of... I'm interested also here is I've made the mistake many times where I, I feel that I know what the call of the market is or that I think that something will work, Um, and I'm honestly surprised most of the time, even though it's most of the time, that it's uh, wrong. Um, So how much do you rely on your instinct? Because you said that you've learned how to trust the numbers or use data to back up, I guess, informed decisions on uh, how to move forward. Um, What numbers are you talking about? Like, Can you give us an example? Because I I know that you've done a lot of uh, work with commercials, for zions or for castle and cook and i always wondered personally why is brad doing commercials like he he, you have to be doing these because they yield some great response um how did you get there or was that just because you liked commercials
0: in other words did the data tell you to do commercials or is that kind of like the expectation from a big bank like zions or castle and cook
3: yeah so um i guess there's a lot of things to, to talk about there um the, I, I don't think you can ever get away with having a good hunch. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, as I've talked with Rob over the years, he's, he's taught me this very well, and that is that sometimes you do have to go with your gut a little bit on uh, certain decisions. You have to trust that a little bit. But where, where it's possible and affordable, by the way, research can be a little expensive,
0: mm-hmm.
3: when it's affordable, it helps you to kind of confirm that. You know, what you try to avoid as you're sitting around a conference table is a focus group of one. Where you, you think about your own experience? Well, I've never done that, so therefore we're not going to do that as a as a company. Um, you if you can get both qualitative and quantitative data to back that up, it helps you at least go down the right road and and not miss the mark. Um, you know, there's been a few examples in the media recently where people have have greatly missed the mark. Um, I think about the um, what's the the most recent commercial that came out with a Pepsi. Did you guys see this with <laughs> Kylie Jenner? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's an example of someone that missed the mark. Now, I, I would imagine they did some research and things that, that backed that up. But the thing that came to my mind is this. It was very much a millennial play. Mm-hmm. You know, they had this, they, they all these millennials kind of in the TV spot, and they were matching denim outfits and, and beanies on their head. And, and, the, and, and Pepsi was being so stereotypical millennial with the people that they had chosen to be in that ad. Mm-hmm. And here, and they tried to tackle what is kind of a sensitive subject. You know, there's a lot of protests that are happening in the streets. And then they oversimplified it with this actress saying, well, I'm just going to give this, uh, this policeman a, a Pepsi, and, a, and it's going to smooth everything over. They missed the mark, and then they had to come out publicly and say we missed the mark, obviously, and uh, took that thing down. What it reminded me of is some research that we did when I was uh, uh, do, doing our millennial marketing at Zions Bank, and that was that we discovered that millennials don't want a bank to try and be cool to millennials. Hmm. They didn't. They they want a grown up in the room. So here you think about millennials and and finances and something that they're you know just ex- exploring and and getting into. Of course, on the heels of the Great Recession, where they they probably don't have as much trust in. Um, you know, banks and financial institutions. Um, you got a bank that's trying to be cool and, and talk to them in a certain way. It did not resonate with millennials. They said, we want you to be smart. We want you to be the expert. We want you to be the grown up. Don't try and use slang with me because it's not resonating with me. Kind of like your dad saying, hey, what's up, dog? You know, you don't want to hear that from your dad and you don't <laughs> want to hear that from a bank. And so we had been missing the mark for a long time. So we had to change our focus a little bit. We had to we had to be a bank. We had to be the grown-up in the room. And so that's what research helped us understand. It kind of dictated that to us. They were able to give us very candid responses and to tell us, you know, a, a direction that we that we should go in and and uh we we were able to uh, we were able to uh make some changes where we needed to. It's
2: awesome.
0: There are cool banks out there. Zions. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I think Zions is cool. No, it's no, just no, that's cool not, in a different sorry. way. My bad, my bad. <laughs> yeah. My bad dog. I'm leaving. That's not
3: what
0: I was trying to... What I meant was, uh, as you mentioned, kind of banks trying to be cool or or target millennials, even though that's kind of like against their brand a little bit. I'm trying to think. There there are banks out there that like cater specifically, like they were created in a, in a millennial setting. And now I can't... But,
3: I can't this, think. but that's the thing is... is you know, you think about um, Zions Bank, 140 mm-hmm. years old. You know, there's a brand perception out there about who we are. Oh, for sure. It's a very well-established bank in a, mm-hmm. and probably, in fact, our research tells us one of the well, most well-known brands of any brand out there. You think about some of the brands, Larry H. Miller Group and Vivint and so on. Zions Bank comes to people's minds first as a, as a premier Utah brand. So mm-hmm. we have that. Um, already going for us. And it helps so, that you
0: have one of the biggest buildings up in
3: Salt Lake. It's very tall. I, I'm there on the seventh floor. Um, but so, so we had that to, as our baseline, and so to pivot from that and try to be who we were not, you know, I think uh, some some millennials were sort of seeing through that, um, and so you, you you have to you know focus on your strengths, and and our strength is, is that our strength and our stability and the fact we have been along around for so long and that we're not going anywhere forever well
2: and i'm i wanted to point out from kind of full circle for this conversation um one of the first influencers that i engaged with um her husband does uh mortgages for a company in salt lake and she is this trusted voice right to her subscribers um and she gained incredible street cred Whatever you want to, however you want to put it, um, with me for this, and her husband was there actually to give like, uh, ver like to validate, say, yeah, this really happened. She said, "Guys, here's what." Who? I, I don't. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you said last uh, episode that I'm very paranoid, so I'll stick to that. <laughs> so, anyway, so we're she not said- names. She you said, said, "Everyone, um, my husband does mortgages." Um, he did a great job. He'll get you the lowest rate he possibly can. Never made any out- outrageous claims or anything like that. But as you're saying, because I appreciate what you're saying, Brad, I want my bank to be a bank. I want to have that trust, almost like a dad or a grandfather, someone that you respect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be spoken to with my money, my finances, that stability that you hold that you try to you know save for your retirement with all that stuff. You want it to be a professional, someone that you respect and, and trust. Yeah, um, I,
0: I want my apparel companies to to yeah. speak my language, and and the shoe companies that I'm wearing, and the but
2: chapstick, I can ver i I can verify from my own experience and the discussions that I've had, and even how this uh, whole conversation worked out was that she said, "Go with my husband. Here's his number. Here's his link." And I'm not talking forms and submissions. I'm I'm saying closed funded loans. There was over 400 um, from two separate YouTube videos that came in and it was click on the link in the description below. And, and I was like, wait a minute. I know how, I know how this industry works from a high level view, right? I know that if a a loan closes that the commission's on 400 and and I had one of my, my coworkers with me and he said, wait a minute, 400. And this was from a trusted influencer. The subscribers are like, yeah, I trust her. She's somebody that I, I watch daily or however often she posts. And, and so you guys can still be that dad, that trusted voice. And as you said in the beginning, you're starting to work with mommy bloggers and these voices to their audiences that I think can really speak as a trusted partner. Also, you follow me? Like, yeah. I think you guys are starting to get into the best of both worlds.
3: Yeah, I mean, you you can still target that market. It's not that you go away from that at all. It's just what? How do you how do you speak with them? What what does resonate with a millennial? and um, i think we've i think we've been able to find that balance and um you know it uh it really all came about as as us kind of speaking to our clients a little bit you get get their yeah. feedback and you and you make uh, course corrections where you need to and uh, you know then we can get back into the game
2: i think we should also shame Brandon, right now. I knew. <laughs> we <laughs>
1: just thinking that
2: we. uh Brandon, Brandon is here, by the way. Cat
1: got your tongue, Brandon. Brandon is
2: on?
0: in the office. You know, it's funny because before Derek started, Brandon was the silent one. Then Derek started, and he turned into the silent one until recently, which we can appreciate. <laughs>
2: and now Brandon. And now I'm is back to of, my roots. He's, he's he's now going back I to his. I feel like he zone. has the greatest question coming up. Hit me. Come, yeah. on. Come on, Brandon. What's that I did
1: have a question, but <laughs> it was really, I mean, it's kind of been covered. I was just, we were talking about influencer marketing at the beginning, and Derek mentioned influencers, but you also mentioned how Zions Bank wants to be the adult in the relationship, you know, someone that you can trust because this is money. We're talking about how do, uh, maybe let's just take social media, for example. Banking is not a sexy industry by any means. How do you utilize social media in 2017 as a bank
3: rude uh first of all that we're not sexy <laughs> uh, i think it's well, very only sexy if you disagree <laughs> <laughs> um you know that is a tough nut to crack um because we're not skull candy you know we're not red bull we're not uh some of those brands that people reach out to try and follow necessarily and so plus there's a lot of regulation
0: in banking Right. Yeah. Uh, Do they have set guidelines for social media in the banking? Like, uh, let me step back real quick. I used to work at Myriad Genetics, which is regulated in the FDA um, section of the government. And and the FDA actually has social media guidelines for companies that are, you know, FDA have FDA approvals. Does the banking industry have a similar kind of guideline that kind of outlines what you can and can't do on social media?
3: sure um and, and I'll try and kind of address both of your questions but yeah sorry I, 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 kind, no, no, of, I kind
0: of derailed that uh, a little bit
3: absolutely no we um it becomes difficult to advertise in a small space so you, we talk about digital marketing where literal real estate is limited um it, beca- it limits what you're able to say and so um, if we get if we start talking about uh, rates um that require a half page of disclosure. You know, we 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 can't say that in a display ad, and so you have to get a little bit creative that way. In in social media, the same same rules apply. What, the other thing you have to be careful of is what you promise. Um, I, I laugh and I, I like to tell this uh, story because this is how regulated our industry is. Um, we were coming up with an ad, and we were trying to write some copy for an ad, and it was something along the lines of. You know, our accounts will will make your um, your life your your life better and your 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 uh, wallet fatter or something like that. Basically, saying yeah. that you know this saves some money here and you're going to thank us later. Our compliance team came back and said, "Can we change that will make to could make? You know, it, it could make your wallet fatter yes. and your life better." And I thought, is that is that where we are? is somebody going to come back in 15 or 20 years and say, you promised me that my wallet would be fatter and my life would be better because of your checking account. But that is, I don't blame compliance, by the way. I, I mean, I really don't. They are beholden to a very strict set of regulations and rules. So we have to we have to be careful about the definitive promises that we make. Uh, we have to say a lot of woulds and coulds and and maybe and mights and rather than the definitive, this will make your life better. Uh, and so those are the things we have to be careful about. But kind of coming back to what you're saying with, with social media, it's, you know, um, Zions Bank's, some of the strengths that Zions has are um, obviously the products and services that we offer. Um, but it, but here's here's the reality. Zions Bank and Wells Fargo and Chase and other banks out there, there are some variations in the products and services that we offer. But I think the perception, at least out there in the public, is You know, it's like going to to Chevron or to Soro or or the holiday gas stations. You all give us gas. You know, you all have checking accounts. You all have savings accounts. So what additional things can we offer besides just our products and our services? And I think the argument that we would make at at Zions Bank is the level of customer service that you receive, um, the level of involvement that we have in the community. Zions Bank is a part of your community. You know, you see us everywhere. We sponsor everything. We're part of everything, and that's because we want to be. You know, we we step up to the plate because we want to be involved in the community and give back to the community. And people like that about Zion's Bank. Uh the the customer service, the the good products and, and services they receive but also the involvement that we have in the community and the fact that we are established and we've been around for a it's, long time.
2: It's kind of like you're saying that they haven't forgotten <clears> who, who keeps us in, keeps business, right? in business.
3: It's an interesting tagline. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: I,
0: I feel like it should be mentioned, Science Bank is not sponsoring this episode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's, that's true. That is absolutely true.
0: But maybe you guys can it,
3: in and the you future. Know, and I'm not really even here to represent Science
0: Bank. Yeah, I'm,
2: Brad, I'm just, you bring up this, a good point, though, because you're, I, I'm thinking how do you uh, differentiate yourself, right? Because you're a bank. Is it humor? Because do people want humor with a bank? But for a small business owner or a marketer, you're giving some great points. You've separated yourself or differentiated yourself by being involved in the community. I do see Zions Bank do it. I can actually, when you say this, I think of my own experience with Zions. Um, Do you bank with Zions? I do. Oh, okay. And uh, America First Credit Union. I have two accounts. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) I know. One's just because I haven't closed it. So.
3: <laughs> we won't say which one. <laughs> yeah.
2: But anyway, I, I think that's – you've got to know your market and you've <clears throat> identif- you guys, uh, Zions, Castle and Cook, you've identified effective ways to hopefully hit the mark and obviously miss the mark sometimes and find out what works. And, and it's just interesting to see that a bank the size of Zions is getting into social media – in a way yeah. that small businesses are and just startups like it. There's this, these two worlds that are coming a little bit closer together with marketing tactics and it. You don't have to be a huge bank with a huge you know, wallet to, it, to utilize those it, bloggers. It's
3: absolutely another marketing medium, yeah. you know, social media and you sure. have to, you have to think about it that way. It's very different. The way you handle things are different, but you know, what we try and do in the social space is establish ourselves as experts in the community for banking, you know? So, you know, people aren't following us because it's sexy or cool or whatever. But they're following us because they might be in the market for a mortgage, and and they need a resource to go to for someone that provides them content, articles, or a resource of some kind because they want to know more about the the ups and downs of the mortgage industry, um, how to how to get a good rate, when to lock, you know, all of those things that that come uh, as a result of. Uh, you know, you know, uh, of banking. So, so those are some of the things that we talk about in social media. We show our level of involvement in the community. We have videos that we post. We actually have an in-house video team that's constantly documenting all of the things that we're doing in the community. So people like that and the content that we put on there is I think what people gravitate to. So, uh,
0: we're, we're almost out of time. I want to do a quick rapid fire thing just because I'm curious. Hit me. So with Science Bank, as we've mentioned, it's a big company, Well-known throughout Utah. Your name is on everything. Um, One of the things that I often think about is the size of teams, right? So Vivint Smart Home, which is where I work, we have uh, like social media we've been talking about. We have, uh, from an acquisition standpoint, we have uh, exactly zero people working on social media Mm. from an acquisition standpoint. So having said that, Zions Bank, real quick, rapid fire, how many people run your social media at Zions Bank?
3: We have one person. One
0: person. What about SEO? One person. One person. Do you have a testing team, like someone who A-B tests specific elements of a landing page?
3: I think that's probably something that we rely on our agency for.
0: Okay, so Thomas Arts. Yeah. Okay, so and and, uh, last question as far as quantity of people on a team. How many people are on the marketing team?
3: Um, so of the, of the whole team, there's probably somewhere around 40. Okay. I, I, on my side of things, there's probably about 20 people or so. And, uh, and so I, I I think probably between marketing and communications, about 40 individuals.
0: Okay. And last question for me, where do you see um, growth? In what areas of marketing do you see growth happening at Zions Bank?
3: The digital side, absolutely. Um, so a little
0: more granular, like yeah. you, see, you you mentioned one person on social, one person on SEO, which kind of part of digital do you see the most growth, like in hiring, like where do you want to grow a team?
3: So um, I think for Zions Bank, there's a, a huge opportunity even in email marketing. Um, and uh, so that that's an opportunity for us, that's somewhere where we're focusing right now, but that person is also doing, so that, that person is probably doing the job of two people. Yeah. There's an, e- an email marketer, and we've got kind of a digital strategy role. Digital strategy role. I, I would say that we probably would need someone to mo- focus even more on that targeting, retargeting, uh, SEO, SEM uh, space. Yeah. Uh, because, again, nowadays, you can get so hyper-focused, hyper-targeted with your with, with who you're going after and with the data that we have access to, we can, you know, uh, come up with our own criteria and narrow it down and and really specifically target individuals. So now your cost per thousand goes down uh, rather than hitting a, 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 doing a blanket sort of mass marketing campaign, which we still do. Um, but that really just ends up supporting the efforts that you're doing in the very targeted marketing efforts. So you have... You have kind of this aerial attack, kind of uh, mass marketing um, strategy with TV, radio, billboards, so so on and so forth. But that really ends up supporting, you know, the the very targeted email, direct mail, um, and uh, and digital marketing strategies that you that you do, and it becomes very effective that way.
0: I love that. Just thinking about the number of people. At a company like Science Bank thinking there's one person over social, one person over SEO. Yeah, they must
2: be good.
0: Yeah. No, I, lo- <laughs> I love that because it, it's a testament that you don't need humongous teams to have success yeah. in those areas. Did you have something, Brandon?
1: I was going to ask if I have time for one more question.
0: Please. You mentioned I'll probably edit it out, but go ahead anyway. (laughs) You mentioned
1: Zions Bank is everywhere. I watch a lot of Jazz basketball. Zions Bank's all over the place. In fact, I'm on the Jazz's homepage, and Zions Bank is literally the first thing you see. What's
0: what's the other brand that you see all over
1: Jazz? Jazz Jazz and Zions Bank. Darn tootin'. They got a good branding placement You don't see Vivint Smart Home on there? You got to go all the way to the bottom. I still don't see Sorry, man. (laughs) Sorry.
3: Vivint's everywhere. I mean, it's on the building. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) The name is on the building.
1: But anyway, my question was, where do you, or sorry, not where, how do you measure these branding efforts? Uh, Maybe you you do an agreement with a new sports team or a college. How do you, because branding is very tough to measure. How do you determine, is this relationship successful? Should we pull and put more money towards the jazz or is that another organization? Uh, is
0: that on your side, or is that more of a Heidi play with the PR stuff?
3: No, um, there, we actually have a dedicated sponsorship individual who reports directly to our CMO. She, oh, okay. Be, because we do so much to Rob. Uh, to Rob, yeah. um, she—that's her full-time job—is to just manage our sponsorships. It's everything from the Huntsman 140 to the Tour of Utah. And the Bees games. The, the Bees, the Jazz, BYU, Sports, all of that. And, and by the way, we're up in Idaho as well, so it's Boise State and everybody in between. <clears throat> so that is a tough question because um, it, for that reason, it's also a tough sell to people that might not necessarily believe in it. It's like, well, how can you measure your ROI on branding? To, to a lot of people, that sounds like a lot of fluff. Um, I, I would suggest that there are different ways that you can measure it. Especially now, uh, you can, um, um, you know, you can per- put certain triggers out there in the marketplace that that cause people to take some sort of action. We've actually tested, you know, text messaging in a sponsorship environment before, where people that is a kind of a call to action in a sponsorship play. So you can measure those responses as well. You know, vanity URLs and landing pages and things like that. Yeah. But here's the here's the reality of of it is. Um, you know, I think about Disneyland. We went to we went and did this Disney training um, out at Disneyland, and somebody asked the question because this this guy was walking us around the park and he was telling us all about Disneyland. And he said we replant these flowers every six weeks, and we replace every single light bulb. And every light bulb is in, is inventoried, and we know when it's going to burn out before it burns out, so we can replace it. So you never see a light bulb that's been burnt out. And somebody asked the question, "Well, how do you measure the the return on that investment? Like, why do you feel like it's it's important for you to replant your flowers every six weeks versus every six months or whatever the case may be?" And he said, "Well, to be honest with you, we can't. We just at the end of the day, we look at our bottom line, and if we're growing, and if people are continue to come to our park, then we're going to keep making that investment." and in some ways that's a little bit like branding and sponsorships you know it's it is a is a support to everything else that you do it's it's creating awareness it's um it's a it's it's increasing pe- people's consideration to buy you know so when when people come in or have the thought in their head i need a home loan you know the zions bank comes to their their mind first and foremost and so their consideration to buy and to come take action on that thought now uh, improves and so where sometimes we can't measure it directly. We have to look at, you know, how did we do last year at this time versus how did we do this uh, this year at this time? And if there's an improvement, then it's probably worthwhile.
0: Hmm. What's that famous quote, Brandon? 50% of my, my ad spend is wasted. Problem is, I don't know which half.
1: Oh, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. I, don't, I don't think it was ad spend because I think that quote came from like the 20s.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> but there was advertising in the 20s. Yeah.
3: You know, I, I Rob Ruff might come in and give you a different answer than that. And but it's uh, it's something that we believe in, something we'll continue to do. Uh, it's obviously working for us in terms of brand awareness. Um, we can measure that, and we have measured our brand awareness, and that matters to us. Even just people's, um, you know, consideration for uh, who was the first bank that pops into your head in Utah. Most people say Zion's Bank, and that's worth something to us. So we're going to keep doing it.
0: Yeah. That's good job security for that uh, person you say is dedicated to that.
3: Yeah, she does a very good job too.
0: Brad Herbert, everybody. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Anytime. If you're listening and have found value, please go to iTunes and give us a good review. It's, it uh, really helps out a lot. If you want to reach out and suggest topic ideas, or if you want to nominate a guest on our show, you can reach out via email at inb- inbound io. Alternatively, you can reach out on Twitter. Our handle is... Below the fold, io at at. There's at, an ad in there. Yeah. <laughs> at below the fold, io. And next week, our guest is Jason Smith. Yep. Who's Jason Smith?
2: He is a competitor to Zion's Bank, it's mm-hmm. Mount America. Can't uh, wait over sponsorships uh, for Mount America. Good okay. So next Great week, company. Jason Smith. Uh,
0: and that's it. We'll catch you below the fold.